more technology, more knowledge, more availability, and yet the same problems. Why? This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. And the Pharisees and Sadducees came, and to test him, they asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He answered them, When it is evening, you say, It will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. So he left them and departed. When the disciples reached the other side, they had forgotten to bring any bread. And Jesus said to them, Watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And they began discussing it among themselves, saying, We brought no bread. But Jesus, aware of this, said, O oh, you of little faith, why are you discussing among yourselves the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet perceive? Do you not remember the five loaves for the five thousand and how many baskets you gathered? Or the seven loaves for the four thousand and how many baskets you gathered? How is it that you fail to understand that I did not speak about bread? Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. And then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of bread, but of the teaching of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? They said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. The Inuit hunters in northern Alaska have to deal with unbearable conditions to you and me. It's often 20 degrees below zero, and it is in some places where the ice has completely frozen over everything, and yet for thousands of years, these hunters have gone out into this terrain and gone out over these sheets of ice and gone over into this freezing cold weather to do their hunting. And they're actually quite good at it. And it's different for, for you and me. They don't measure terrain by landmarks or by nature trails because the snow can often cover over and change the direction. They, they, do, they use other things. They check the winds. They know snow drift patterns, animal behavior. They check the stars and the tides. And they're able to navigate through what many of us would find incredibly difficult to do. But in recent years, the accident rate among these people have gone up. Here's the reason. The younger generation has started using this rather than this. They've started using the GPS system. And GPS works out great until the phone doesn't work or until the terrain changes on them and the GPS doesn't know about it. And so the shortest route ends up being over a thick sheet of ice, which the shortest route is not always the best route. And as a result, accident rates have gone up because they don't know how to judge their surroundings. 
And when you don't know how to navigate your surroundings, it is really hard to find your way. It is very difficult to think of a time in which we live and to consider previous centuries and millenniums and to find a more complex and difficult time to navigate than we find today. And people are trying to use all sorts of different tools to navigate it. But when you begin to move away from the signs of the times revealed in God's Word and start to try to find your own way, that's where confusion sets in. And that's where it's incredibly difficult. And so we live in a society where people are living longer and frankly living better than they ever have physically. And yet suicides are still up. Murder rate is up. Happiness continues to fluctuate based on the circumstances. More technology, more knowledge, more availability, and yet the same problems. Why? Because trying to navigate the Creator's world apart from the Creator's book is an impossible task. And Jesus is able to explain this to the scribes and the Pharisees when they ask Him for the second time, show us a sign. They're there to test Him. They're not there to do Him any favors. They ask Him to show them a sign from heaven. He had also been asked for a sign in Matthew chapter 3 when Satan said, show me a sign that you are the Son of God. Throw yourself down. Command this stone to be made bread. Bow down and worship me. And Jesus would do none of those things. He responded, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And here are the Pharisees attempting to put Jesus on trial when they say, show us a sign from heaven. And Jesus begins the age-old conversation technique. He begins to talk about the weather. I know none of us have ever started a conversation talking about the weather, have we? It's the default go-to. And Jesus has such a good use of wordplay here. He starts off beginning to discern what the weather is like, and he uses it as a comparison for discerning the times. He says, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red, and in the morning it will be stormy today, for the sky is red and threatening. Now, sailors have often had to use this, have we not? Red skies at night, sailors, some of you will be able to sail. Red skies in the morning, sailors, there you go. And Jesus will look at them and he will say, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. You do your best to forecast the weather, but you don't plan the direction of your life. And Jesus uses the same words that he used earlier in Matthew 12, that an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given it except the sign of Jonah. This generation is evil, he says, because there is none who does good apart from God, none who seeks after Him apart from His Spirit drawing us unto Himself. And then he says, not only is this generation evil, they're also, also adulterous. Just as commandment breakers break the covenant of marriage, so Israel has left their covenant with God. And the sign of Jonah is the sign of repentance. Just as God rescues Jonah from the shadow of death, from the belly of the fish, so also He will raise His Son from the dead. And the question for the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and really the question for you and me today to consider, as we've considered earlier, is how much is enough? What kind of sign will satisfy you? What would it take? People say, God, give me this really nice car. I'll believe you're real. Give me this girl. Give me this guy. 
Give me a couple of extra zeros in my bank account. Then I'll believe you're real. But what Jesus gets at here is you're so concerned with discerning the signs of God that you miss out on the signs of the times which have already been, been described. You can imagine the frustration of Jesus here on a human level because every prophecy that was supposed to be fulfilled by the Messiah, Jesus is fulfilling. Out of Egypt have I called my son. Jesus goes out of Egypt. The temptations that Adam fails, Jesus succeeds in. The feeding of the 5,000, symbolizing manna coming from heaven, Jesus is able to be the bread of life. He is living water. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the good shepherd. He's standing into all of these roles predicted by the Messiah is coming. And the Pharisees just don't see it. Would you really be satisfied if you got what you want? And if Jesus were to perform the greatest miracle ever seen right in front of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, do you think they would believe him? There's another passage where Jesus talks about this, Lazarus and the rich man. The rich man goes to hell, Lazarus goes to heaven, and the rich man is stuck in hell and he's saying, go and tell my brothers that I am tormented in this flame and tell them not to come to this place. And what is the response from heaven? If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they listen to me, though one rise from the dead. In other words, somebody could step into this room right now, straight out of the cemetery, and there would still be people who would not believe on the name of Jesus Christ. Because signs are only given to those who have faith to see. And all the signs in the world won't change the state of the Pharisees' hearts and minds and souls. The other day, Richard Basham and I were out in Hoosier National Forest, and they've got trails and, and markers and signage and maps that you can see. Now, Richard has tried his best to train me how to use these signs. But I tell you what, the only sign that I have is the back of his shirt out there. Because if something happens to him, I am gone too. Signs don't do you much good unless you have faith in them. And, and here in the Bible, Lord, I asked you to show me a sign. Why didn't you? I can't imagine that one day people will stand before God and ask him that question to say, why didn't you show me a sign? And he will look at them and he will say, I gave you my word. I put my son on a cross. What more do you really need? So in the Bible, what happens is a sign is often taken out of, out of context. Text is taken out of context. And so people look at this sign of the times and they try to formulate their own prophecy chart and they try to come up with some kind of get-rich Ponzi scheme. But Jesus says if you do that, you're missing the whole thing. And here's what it is, that if you are a child of God, you don't need a sign from heaven. You just need to be able to interpret the signs of the times. And the way that you interpret the signs of the times is you have the compass of God's Word before you at all times. So he talks about signage, and then he tells them to beware of stale bread. Look with me, beginning in verse 5 and ongoing. When the disciples tell him that they're out of bread, they forgot to bring it. Lord, we forgot to bring lunch. They say, watch and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. <laughs> and the disciples look at Jesus and they said, Lord, I don't think the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were bringing the bread for us. <laughs> Jesus by this time is frustrated. The 5,000 have been fed. The 4,000 have been fed, and he says, have you guys forgotten what I've done? 
He says, I'm not talking about physical bread. And suddenly it dawns on them that Jesus is talking about false teaching among the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Beware of feeding yourself on that which doesn't satisfy. I hear so many people today talk about, well, all religions should just get along and every road leads to the same place. Just pick a road and you'll get there. But there is so much false teaching on the Word of God in this world today. People who manipulate the Bible to fit what they would like it to say rather than what it actually says. People who use the Bible to fill their pocketbooks rather than to fill the kingdom of God. And he says because of this, there is going to be a double measured account for those who teach the Word. They will give extra account on this. And so much of Jesus' ministry is confronting the false expectations of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Jesus doesn't spend a whole lot of time worrying about what other people think about him. His only concern is pleasing his Father. And this desire changes his interactions with everyone he encounters. And because of this, he has God's perspective, the Father's perspective, on relationships with others. And rather than asking, does someone like me, his question is, what is the most loving thing I can do for this person? What if we stopped being kind and started speaking truth in love? How can I introduce God's will into their lives? He says, don't be afraid to confront this false teaching. Don't be afraid to confront that what is, which is wrong. So they understand what he's saying here. And then they move to the confession. So Jesus comes in. He asks the disciples when they arrive into Caesarea Philippi, who do people say that the Son of Man is? There's a lot of different offers out there. Who do people say that He is? Some say you are John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then He looks at them and He looks at His, his close friends and He says, who do you say that I am? And Peter comes out with it. He says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Listen, Peter often gets it wrong in the Bible, but when he gets it right, it is dynamite. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, and irony in this passage, because Jonah's mentioned earlier, because flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and beyond seeing with his eyes, the Father places the sign of faith in Peter's heart. And you have to understand that for Peter to say this out loud meant that he was openly defying the religious authorities. It totally changed his life. We're going to get into the further part of the passage where he talks about who the keys of the kingdom are given to and the rock being Christ in the church. I'd like to address that next week and where we have some, some honest, open differences with our Roman Catholic friends. But what I would tell you today is to really focus in on this statement you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Because when Peter says that out loud, the disciples have all confessed it together, but this is the first time when it is really explicitly stated by one individual. And when he says this out loud, there is no turning back for him. His whole life is turned around because just as you do in marriage, forsaking all others, biblical Faith mirrors biblical marriage, forsaking all others. I now cling to Christ. And so he is declaring to the outside world that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior, and upon him do I place all my hope and all my understanding. And you say, well, we do that too. No, no, you don't understand. 
When you confess that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, not just with your mind, but also with your heart and with everything that you have, it changes your entire life. It changes your existence. And so when the culture tells you this is how you live your life, you say, I don't define how I live my life by the culture and the society. I define it by the Word of God. And so when I want to know how to spice up my marriage, I don't have to watch Fifty Shades of Grey. I turn to Ephesians 5, where it says, Love your wives, husbands, as Christ loved the church, gave himself for her. I don't plan my day based on my calendar. I prioritize things based on what God's Word says. And when the culture and the society tell me what to do to have the good life, I just look at them and I do the opposite. Because Jesus did not come to satisfy the culture. He came to save it. And if you and I would ever get in our heads that Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God and He has ownership over our lives, the church and the community would not know what to do. And when Peter confesses this, Earlier, they've tried to run the ministry in their own understanding, and they fail. But when they rely on God in faith, they perceive and grow. Jesus says to them, Blessed are you, Simon, because flesh and blood hath not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And he changes his, his name. He goes to his second name. He says, I tell you, you are Peter, a rock. And upon this rock, the solid rock of Christ, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Those of you who are concerned about the government or about the economy or about the military, listen to me. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Christ because Jesus Christ himself is the power source. (laughs) We may not have any money, The world may come at us from day to day. Religious freedom may be gone a generation from now. But Jesus says, I will build this church. And no one or nothing can stop it because the living God is the power source. But it comes down to a confession of whether or not we believe it. That Jesus is the Christ, Son of the living God. And when the world asks for a sign, we see a man put on a cross between two thieves, crucified for the sins of the world that whoever might repent and believe in him might have life. You've got a sign. You just have to follow the Savior. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at veryefields.com.